there's an ownership change, maybe not the one we we're expecting, but one that was officially announced today that we'll get into. Uh, some old friend alerts, as well as prospect talk, all on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. Thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day wherever you get podcasts. I'm Jeff. Over there is Justin. This is Nacho. Uh, two of the three of us used to write or still write about baseball. You can pick which two of the three. Uh, how are you feeling this evening, Justin? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm, you know, I'm still trying to get over this offseason hangover thing. You know, it's the the uh, what did I say it was a few weeks ago? That point at the end of the offseason where it's just like I needed to get it over with. Like offseason fatigue. That's what it is. Offseason fatigue. I've I've had enough. I'm ready for baseball to start. We have only have like what 30 days until college starts or something. We could definitely get if, into some draft talk. If that, that I feel like you know, it, yeah. or maybe it's exactly like we're getting very close. I mean, I'm uh, I got uh, I got two IEPs to write, so I, I, my draft stuff's kind of falling a little behind. But I, I was I think I told you yesterday it's, I I just finished the Guardians pick in the mock where every team has two picks. Uh, five thousand uh, words later, <laughs> uh, I'm at five thousand words through pick twenty four. So we'll see how deep I go. But uh, I will say this: I won't tell you who my pick is, but my sleeper pick is Miles Naylor, uh, a certain third baseman who his older Sounds brothers familiar. Um, haven't done much, so. We will see. It's, there's a lot of interesting guys for the Guardians in the draft. We'll see how it goes, and we'll certainly discuss it. Uh, you know, should we just go ahead and call Tanner Hall now and in round two or the comp B pick? Comp B pick? Should we just? I go hope ahead I let's say we hope it's comp pick because the the history of round two picks is not good. So let's go with comp B or comp yeah, pick. yeah. He's he's definitely going there. Let's just. It's like for as was foretold uh, by the ancient Egyptians. Uh, Tanner Hall <laughs> to the Guardians in round two or comp B. Uh, speaking of former picks, we'll just very briefly mention, I just I was a big Julian Merriweather guy back in the day. I was kind of sad when he was the cost to get Donaldson. I said for a while, he was, I believe, just fastball slider. The third pitch was never really there, and I wanted to see him turn to reliever. He looked really good when he debuted, and then he got hurt. He's done 52 innings. You and I were both like, wow, he's already 31. Uh Another Junipero Sarah guy. I mean, that, man, that that program, that's that's the elite high school program in terms of future pros. But uh, claimed by the Cubs today. I think that's a nice, like, low-cost wager uh, for them to get. It is. I mean, the guy they, the guy they uh, cut from the 40 was 26 <clears throat> to add Merriweather. That's kind of a risk. The guy hadn't really gone anywhere, a pitcher. But uh, neither has Merriweather the last couple of years. But no, I've always been a big fan of Julian Merriweather. I think we both thought that he would be a great, a very good setup man someday. Um, I remember going back and seeing people online saying they would have rather traded uh, Bieber than Merriweather at some point back then. And I was like, no, I would. I, I like Julian Merriweather, but no. Uh, no. That's yeah. So there are a lot of people who wanted to trade. I remember people wanted to trade Shane Bieber for. Uh, a couple months of Bryce Harper in 2018 when he was about to be a free agent. People were like, oh, Beaver might be a back end starter. It doesn't matter. Bryce Harper might help you win right now. And like, no, you don't give up pitchers like Beaver for two months of Bryce Harper. So, the, I mean, the cost of Merriweather was tough at the time, but 
because you know Donaldson didn't really give Cleveland all that much, mm-hmm. and look where he is now. But unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately for Merriweather, he has not been healthy or effective the last couple of years. But he still throws hard, and I still think he could turn into something. So yeah, it's a good low risk gamble for the Cubs, and I hope he uh, he turns it up there. Yeah, I uh, you know speaking of. I don't know. Uh, guys for the Cubs. Let's do it that way. Uh, the athletic or the athletic, the MLB.com did their top 10 left-handed pitching prospects. Uh, I think we all knew who one would, I think we all knew who the top two would be. Uh, after that, yeah. you could debate. I, I, I agree mostly with that top four after that, it kind of gets a little hanky to me. Uh, I like Dax Fulton, but it also speaks to how little left-handed pitching he's there. I don't, Jordan Wicks. I'm not even sure he's going to be enough to be a starter. Matthew Libertor. I, he doesn't even look like a starter most of the time. He has been kind of an afterthought. Uh, Jake Etter didn't pitch last year. Yeah. Brandon Barea, uh, you know, was a high first round pick. He's an interesting lefty, but a high reliever risk. Blake Waltz and I like quite a bit when the Diamondbacks took him another one of those quarterback to uh, to pitching types, but he has missed significant time with injury. Uh, a weird list and also speaks to there is like just, you want to know why I'm like, yeah, let's go trade for uh, Jesus Lazardo because there's no left-handed pitching to be had even in the minors. Yeah. I, I, I'm very confused about two of them. And we talked about this yesterday. We talked about the right-handers list number. Mm-hmm. We said that sometimes pipeline, we're not, not bashing pipeline because those guys do do a good job and they, it is hard work. Uh, just covering 30 teams, farm systems with a two or a three. I think there's three of them. Sam Dykstra helps mm-hmm. them out, but um Putting they often put like uh draft picks on there that haven't even played yet because they're just high on them. That's fine, but they get more uh leniency because they haven't failed yet. You know, no one's yeah. no one is hyped up more than the prospect who has yet to be yet to fail. Uh it hasn't been hasn't suffered prospect fatigue yet. But like like I said, Jake Eater at, at eight uh didn't pitch last year. Kind of suspect Brandon Barriera. I mean, I, I like Brandon Barriera quite a bit, but Hasn't pitched. Uh, yeah, Wicks is questionable. Uh, Levertor, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Top four for sure. I mean, I even the order, I'll tell you, the, the top three of Harrison, Ricky Tiedemann, and Ken Waldachuk, I think one, two, three, that's perfect sense. And I'm not saying Cantillo and Logan Allen should have been considered for this list because, look, Cantillo pitched 60 innings. He didn't pitch after July. Uh, even if they were 60 very good innings. And then Logan Allen got to AAA and essentially had like one good start and five clunkers. So that's an issue right there. But if you're looking long-term upside, I don't know, one of those two could have been on there and they weren't even mentioned anywhere. So that's kind of interesting. But uh, I don't know. I don't want to be too much of a homer and say they deserve to be on there. But I would have at least considered I don't know, Logan Allen over – Brandon Barriera because he hasn't pitched yet. And I know that the ceiling is there, but I don't know. Kind of crazy to put a guy on a list that has not pitched yet, right? Legitimate question. Okay, here we go. Didn't prep you for this. Would you rather have Jordan Wicks or Logan Allen? I would take Logan Allen. Same. By the way, um, and in neither... Okay, you go ahead on neither, yours, and I got another one. Neither Allen or Cantilla made the list last season, I think... I want to say they had Allen. Nope, they didn't have Allen on the must-watch list. Uh, so neither of them were on there. Jake Eater was on there. Uh, Asa Lacey, which um, Nick Lodolo 
Mackenzie Gore, yikes, Aaron Ashby, and Jake Eater on the list last year, and Reed Detmers led the list. So he didn't make no lefties last year on the list either, which I can understand Cantillo last year. Kind of surprised no Allen last year because uh, mm. he flew through the minors the year before yeah. that. That one's, I think, even is more surprising. I think it's interesting that, like, listen, a 60-grade slider, I'm pretty sure Cantillo might have a 60-grade slider right now. And again, they're only really, I think, choosing guys from this list, but just saying when Harrison and Eater both have, you know, the 60 grade slider. And the other interesting thing is, you know, traditionally lefties are the, you know, command control guys. Nobody on this whole list projects to have 60 grade control. Uh, uh, Wicks at 55, uh, Berea at, at 55 as well. And there were some doubts about his control. Like, I mean, it, it was good, but it's a little bit surprising. I thought he was closer to a, a 50. So I don't know. That's, that is uh that's weird. I don't know. And then the the one guy, you know, they met Cooper Jurpe, who is keep an eye on. Uh that is a player that had, you know, massive. You want to talk about a guy who um people are all over the board on. And then of course they do mention all the high picks, you know, with Noah Schultz, Robbie Snelling, Jackson Ferris, and then the college guys who were hurt, uh Prelip, Barco, Crawford, and Wizenhunt. Let's be honest, outside of Prelip, I don't think any of those guys were really going to be sniffing this list from the college grouping uh if they've been healthy. So it's uh yeah, I think this just goes to show again left-handed pitching. Uh it's not easy to find. I might have put Cooper Zerpe up there over Jordan Wicks, to be honest with you. I liked Cooper Zerpe quite a bit in the draft. I was all on board for that pick for, for Cleveland at that point. And uh, we also, disagree on that one. <laughs> that, that's I one was of all over. Yeah, I was all over that. Um, Cancillo, I mean, I guess they gave Ricky Tiedemann a 70 grade slider or 70 grade changeup. Yeah, I don't know if Cancillo's changeup is 70 grade, it's definitely 60 grade. Or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, you're right, it's the changeup, not the slider. I messed that up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if they're calling Tiedemann's changeup a 70, I don't know it. I, I don't actually know enough about Ricky Tiedemann's changeup to say whether that for sure, but I just did a report on Joey Cantillo for Prospects Live, and um, I had a sixty on his changeup. So if they've got Ricky Tiedemann as a seventy, you know, I'll I'll buy that. I don't know, but um, yeah, I would I would give him that over Cantillo. But Cantillo to me has better, um, might have a better, I don't know, a better fastball, better frame than Tiedemann. Isn't Tiedemann small? No, he's got a. I think he's. I thought he was. He was like a. He's slight. He's always been. You know, he was. I thought the Guardians might take him in the twenty twenty. Twenty. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He was a. He was a big kid, but like he was. He was that kid who was like seventeen out of high school in that weird twenty twenty draft. Doesn't get drafted. Um, goes to like a, a JUCO, and then the Blue Jays pop in the third round, and I loved it from the start. I mean, he looked so good that year there. Um, I thought he was such a Guardians type and ended up being the Blue Jays guy. Hmm. Cancillo's got the similar build too, so I don't yeah, know. yeah. I, I I definitely both don't were know. Seventeen-year-old pitchers on draft day. You can see, I mean, the Guardians didn't draft Cancillo, but they acquired him. But both, I mean, they just seemed he was young too. Yeah, yeah birds of a feather. Yeah, I would say Allen for sure deserved consideration. I think with the lack of innings pitched the last three years for Cantillo, and obviously one of the yeah. those years not his fault. But I just wrote he he's only pitched sixty eight innings since twenty nineteen, uh, or since the twenty twenty season. So since he didn't pitch that year, that wasn't his fault. But yeah, I guess that's uh, the reason you can't consider him. But I don't know. I mean, 
I'm not willing to ding Allen for a couple of bad starts at AAA, considering the, what the body of work he's had so far in the minors. Although we're seeing more and more teams don't care what you do in in uh, anything below AA, right? Like if you are yeah. performing at high A, then <clears throat> that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't yeah. matter to get the double A. Apparently, doesn't matter to get the triple A either. Uh, things that do matter, though, we are going to be back in a second to talk about a football player buying a minor league team and uh, to talk about some middle infield prospects on today's Lockdown Guardians. But first, we're going to take a second and talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. Uh, they have been our sponsor. Like I said, they are a Rushmore sponsor for us. Uh, they are number one sports, one of one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to basketball. They've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find them at betonline as well. They're your fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so you and I, you were more than I, let's be honest, we're kind of hip to this was coming on. Uh, and we had d- debated, there were a few potential people who could be the owners. Uh, and then this is what John Ryan's third baseball team. Uh, he is he's a, a fan of owning baseball teams. Uh, I think you are definitely have this covered. So at this point, I'm just going to kind of back away and let you take full control. Yeah, I, well, I mean, <clears throat> I knew there was a sale going on. They had some stuff go out there. I had no idea who was who was buying the captains at that point, but uh, found out the other day that, um, yeah, today they had the press conference. And Alan Miller and John Ryan, who was a former NFL punter, who I just found out also was still punt is still actively playing in the CFL. I think he might have just retired, um, so he might have played last year up there. But uh, yeah, they are now the majority owner of the Lake County Captains. Uh, captains had a one had two cu- sets of couples owned them since 2003 when they brought them up from Columbus to Lake County. This will be a 20th year they've been in Lake County, which is amazing already. Um, but the pre- I saw the press conference online today. I couldn't make it in person, unfortunately. But uh, Miller and uh, Alan Miller and, and John Ryan um, both own the Portland Pickles along with some other people. I think those two are the only ones that are involved with the captains. I'm not sure, but. Uh, the pickles are a college wood and a college wood bat league, I believe. And the other one that uh, John Ryan owns is a, the Cleburne Railroaders, which I think is in the uh, American Association. But I don't think Alan Miller owns that. But Miller's got a background in uh, marketing. If you look at the Portland Pickles Twitter account, they have like forty thousand followers, which is like twice the amount of followers the captains have, and they are you know with an affiliate, which is amazing. So. Uh, their marketing has been fantastic. I think I, um, I might even have a Portland Pickles hat in my closet somewhere upstairs. I have to maybe tomorrow I'll wear my Portland Pickles hat if I can find it. I think I have one. I don't know because where, where else are you going to get that name? It's amazing. So good marketing for them. Um, they seem like a bunch of fun guys. They were having a beer at the press conference. It was one o'clock in the afternoon, so um, you know they're I think they're five o'clock somewhere kind of guys. Which those are my kind of guys, and uh, I don't know. They just seem fun. I think they're. Going to make things really interesting in Lake County. I, I don't know. I have I know there's been a lot of fans who probably listen to this show who um, on Twitter probably talked about whether or not the captains will have um, MILB TV. And I still can't nail that down. I know after last season there were discussions about adding it, but there's a lot of things like procedurally and 
upgrades to the to the stadium and upgrades to other parts of the operation that need to come first before MLB TV. The, their press release today said that they will have home live broadcast of every game, but it didn't say if that meant video or audio. They had audio all of last season. They always had all audio. They never had video, um, but nobody was uh, nobody was willing to say today that yes, that means video. So. That is still up in the air, apparently, but they will at some point. If they don't have video this season, they will at some point. Maybe it'll be later in the season. I don't know. There are some things they probably need to do to get that off the ground, but uh, I think it's going to be interesting. It might take a year or two for them to really set their vision in in Lake County, but uh, I'll be there a lot this year, I'm sure, and we'll see how things go. They both said they were going to be at every home game, and I'm interested to see what kind of life they bring to that stadium because it's definitely time for – some new blood and some new energy uh, down in Lake County. It did wonders in Akron. I mean, you can attest. You saw Canal Park for a long time. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I've always liked Canal Park, and I, I like the Akron Arrows, but towards the end of their uh, run as the Akron Arrows, that place was dreary, gray. It was a dungeon. It was weird. And then the new ownership came in there. It was and not. A lot of, yeah. It was also a time where there was, like, really terrible talent in the system, so there wasn't even, True. like, a good reason to go, which also hurt. Um, yeah. For all the change, I though, I they're bringing back a, a favorite, are they not? Well, the original, you mean the original owner? He's still going to have a stake in the team. Well, no, the um, aren't they bringing back like? Uh, oh, the on-field John- host. Yes, aren't they bringing back like a fan favorite? Yes, a lot uh, of tweets yeah. about this. Yes, uh, I'm. I'm make no no. Uh, uh, I'm not going to not hide how what good friends I am with Andrew Grover, who is. Their on-field MC for I don't even know how many years, but uh, he left. And- we're not alone though in this. I saw a lot of no. people excited about this. This was not. No, like he just you. he is the mayor of Classic Park. Let's be honest. He, Andrew Grover is the mayor mayor of Classic Park, and he is, still does some games there. He has done games there. He does stuff with the, the Cleveland Monsters as well. But he'll be back uh, with the team this year too as the director of uh, ticket sales and partnerships. I think it was, but. More importantly, I think we'll be hearing his voice at captain's games more often. So I'm it's, super excited for that. If if the team, even if the team isn't good, which they should be good, we'll talk about that at some point, obviously. Um, Andrew Grover is always worth going to see because I'm convinced that nobody can ever have a bad day when they, they see that guy anywhere. Yeah, it was, like I said, it was multiple people excited about his return. And like that also shows like new ownership, having awareness and knowledge to be like, we're outsiders, but we're going to bring back this guy that people, because it's not that he was ever fully gone, but he was not there as much. Like he was, mm-hmm. you know, now he's going to be front and center. And it was a, I thought it was a, a very cagey and smart move by this new ownership group, but it also shows like a commitment to just the area and the experience. So I thought that's just another positive sign. Like this seems like a real chance of re, uh, helping rejuvenate and, and do a lot of fun with that team. I think they talked to the right people. That's for sure. Yes. A hundred percent. Uh, speaking of talking to right people, we're going to take a, well, I've been told I'm not supposed to say anymore. We're taking a break, but we're going to come back and talk. We'll be back in a moment to discuss prospects, uh, specifically up the middle types. Uh, and I'm going to address some of the height, uh, heightest things in a moment on lockdown guardians. So our, our comments, I appreciate you, uh, Greg, uh, Greg, really Wesley, but uh, listen, the Guardians aren't targeting 5'8 guys with a master plan of down the road. They're going to be cheap to resign. Uh, 
<laughs> they did. Here's the thing. Honestly, as a former draft writer, they targeted players under six feet because it was a market inefficiency. And the rest of the league is caught up to that. Like a few years ago, you would have never had some of those high draft picks we've had in recent years where they were guys who were, you know, six, one, six, two, who were pitchers or outfielders. You wouldn't have, uh, you'd have really good prospects sliding because of height. And the guardians back when they were the Indians knew that and specifically did target that. Um, I don't know, in the early uh, 2010, 2011, about 2010 to about 2016, 17, they targeted undersized players because it was a market inefficiency and those players would slide on draft day. So you would get a better talent because of height. Uh, they didn't sign Wilbin Francisco because he's 5'8 with a master plan that they're going to sign him cheaper that, you know, they need to, I know people want them to add power, but uh, at the same time, their best power hitter is Jose Ramirez, who's 5'8". Like, don't get height confused with that. And, like, yeah, they just understand, like, good hitters are going to be good hitters. It, who cares about height? And they end up with shorter guys because uh, they're going for middle infielders. And they have a ton of middle infielders. And I know people are, like, they want power, but Sorry. Like they know what they scout and develop well. Like right. they have been terrible at developing power hitters. So I applaud them for not trying to sit there and put a, a round peg in a square hole. Uh, they're leading into what they do. Well, it's the same thing where, listen, I'll be intrigued to see what they do with Tuki Tucson, but that's not their strength. Their strength is not finding, helping guys refine. It's helping guys find another gear. So that's why I was like, Oh, we'll see. Like, I, like it's a great gamble. But that's not what they do well. Like, and that's why they, you look at the recent draft classes, it's, you know, the Tanner Bybees and the guys like that who have found that added gear. That's what they do well. And the same thing is they develop guys with good hitting approaches, all or nothing power hitters. I mean, they, the, the guys they've added like that, it's, it's not Bobby good. Bradley. I mean, John Kenzie Noel is maybe we'll have to see how that works, but it's a lot of the guys who were, I mean, Jonathan Rodriguez was kind of more of a power projection guy and, I mean, he's not in my top 30 prospects. It's it, that, That's not what they do well. You have to know what you can no. develop well. And yeah, just going to take that moment. And again, no one's signing a 17-year-old going, well, because he's only this height. When he gets to this point, he'll be cheap. No, uh, right. you're just hoping he can actually play in the big league someday. And if he's really good, it doesn't matter. As we've seen, like Jose is undersized. It's not affecting him. Um, Jose Altuve, undersized. Not right. like, like height, this whole height take on things is just that's not how the game works anymore the guardians are not height supremacists no have you i, I want to know if any, you, do you get that reference uh <laughs> what was that about get, white i mean you, height I, <laughs> if you get if you get no if you get the reference comment comment uh either tweet at us or leave a comment I, 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 they I'm are not height su- they are not height supremacists i'll i'll uh i'll reveal it to you at the end of the show i don't want to spoil it and let somebody else get it but uh I'll let people comment and see if they've seen. It's a TV show, but I'll see. Um, even even Francisco Lindor, like he was what five ten, five eleven, like that's average size. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, your Jose Altuve and Jose Ramirez obviously are the are the exception and not the rule t- typically. But you're seeing but more of those guys in general. You like, are you're seeing more player. It's because it's about your exit velocity and your swing path. And yeah, Aaron short, short Judge, levers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Judge is big. Machado, but like also the exception, not the rule. Yeah. And Aaron judge is almost too big. Like that's the other thing. Like, and Kyle Schwarber is like, isn't he only like six one? He's not a big dude. 
I mean, that's of, tall for a hitter, I suppose, in baseball. He's six feet, he's six feet anybody, even. Six feet anybody even bigger than that, you're going to be a pitcher. So I, I don't know. Like you see, like a lot of kind of like infielders who are over six feet anymore. Like Schwarber is technically undersized. I mean, Pete Alonso is like six four, isn't he? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Six but. three, yeah. So I don't know. I view six one and under is, is kind of undersized anymore uh, for hitters. I but think, yeah, I think it depends on your position. Like middle infield. I mean, you have like. You have O'Neill Cruz who still plays shortstop, but I think most of your shortstops are like 5'10, 5'11, 6 foot ish. And then after that, like Corey Seeger is is an oddball at 6'4 playing shortstop still. I think everybody else is kind of in that middle height range in terms of middle infield. Yeah, your corner guys are usually your bigger dudes, but um, I don't know. Cleveland's always excelled with these non traditional types. Like, look how many years Michael Brantley is uh not your traditional product you know your traditional left handed mm-hmm. left handed well, I should say left fielder um you know in, in the past your left fielder in the in the 90s and early 2000s would be this poor fielding poor running uh masher that just played left field because he couldn't play in that position and not Michael Brantley has obviously not been as good a defender over the last several years because of health issues and all that but you know he's not a 40 home run hitter who just mashes everything he's a uh, a non-traditional guy and same with Jose Ramirez at third base. Now Stephen Kwan mm-hmm. in left field, like nobody care. If you can hit, you can hit. Nobody cares. So yeah, they're banking on these guys having good hit tools and figuring out how they can get them to hit 20 home runs in a season or 15 home runs. You know, that's, that's, and, and the same thing with the bonus pools. I know people are like, Oh, they haven't um, signed a big international free agent. Okay. Well, Gabriel Rodriguez was got 2.1 million in the 2017 class. He was the highest paid position player for a Guardians international prospect ever. Um, that was 2.1. But generally, Cleveland likes to spread the wealth. It is the same thing as the draft. They are they are not looking to spend 80 percent of their international um, budget on one player. Like I know the Padres signed Ethan Salas to like five million. I don't know what their their bonus pool was unless Cleveland wants to trade for more bonus pool money, which I would have argued they should have like, see if somebody would give you a couple hundred K for, you know, Richie Palacios who doesn't have a role in this team, but they didn't do that. And they're, they're going to spread the wealth. They're going to try to find two or three guys that pop from this class, whether they're five foot eight or eight foot five, that'd be something. Um, And, and spread the wealth among those guys and not, not worry about you know putting all their eggs in one basket and hey eggs are expensive these days so why would you put all your eggs in one basket right yeah and just on top of that it's you know let's also be honest like the flame out rate in players this young is oh, so incredibly yeah. high it's kind of dumb to put all of your eggs in that basket for sure so uh let's talk though about the guys who are actually well not quite here uh so they why exist. Don't we- you know, well, they're not in the big league level. Let's should we talk about second baseman? Let's 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 start there. We can lead off can with the number one second base prospect, Aaron Bracho. Ooh, talk about a guy that got a big bonus. And yeah. uh, boy, let me tell you, Aaron Bracho has a fantastic car. If you've ever been, if you come to Classic Park next season, you might see it because he might be at, at at Classic Park for a third season in a row. Uh, although he might not be in the organization at all, I don't know. But he got a nice bonus, bought a nice car. Hope he saves some money. Uh, speaking of guys that are five foot eight and uh, can't hit, yikes! Uh, <laughs> I don't know where he's going to go this year, but uh, if, you, if you see the car is really nice, that's what I'll say about Aaron Bracho. He has a great car. That's 
not supposed to say uh, something. You're not supposed to say something. You don't have anything nice to say. So I'll say Aaron so, Bracho is a great card. I think there are three big prospects they hit on here off the top of my head. Uh, do you want me to throw you the the sleeper, the guy who's maybe getting a little overrated, or Ooh, can I the, name them? The guy who uh, is the newest addition. Let me let me guess. How about that? Okay, guess him. All right, which one do you want me to start with? Guess our sleeper. Our sleeper. Ooh, ooh. Uh, you said the other category was new edition, right? New, yeah, new edition sleeper, All and right. then the guy who's maybe a little little overrated. All right, I guess sleeper is going to be Nate Furman. Correct. Um, I like Nate Furman a lot. I I think. I think Nate Furman has the Stephen Kwan starter kit already. I think he's got a a good motor, is going to play a good second base. He's kind of a dirt bag, makes a ton of contact, doesn't strike out. Not a lot of power right now, but he gets on base. He's a gritty player. I, I think Nate Furman is a, uh, a – he could be a helium guy by sometime midseason if he plays the way I think he can. I think his skills will translate very well to pro ball. And he's also a guy that we know from uh, people who have like the advanced data on him scored very highly in a lot of things in college. Yes, mm-hmm. he played at a lower level, but there's there's some good physical traits, there's some good skills, and then there's some good like raw data as well uh, to make him a sleeper. I think I have him at 20 or 21 on my list whenever I choose to finally release that. I'm going to let that clamor and reach a fever pitch. Uh, close. Yeah. Should we, should we talk... Pitch. Who's the, what am I guessing next? I'll guess the next overrated one. or new edition. Well, overrated's got to be Jake Fox. Yeah. And again, you and I both think he is an interesting player, uh, but well, I'll leave it to you. Yeah. People are probably gonna be upset by this and this is no, no slight to Jake Fox at all by any means. It's just, I think he's an interesting player too. I just think that a lot of people have scouted the stat line on him, see the high walk rate, see that he's a teenager, See that he's in low A, and you might think, well, that's all good signs of a good future. But um, some of the data behind that suggests that there is a lot of passivity in his approach. And pitching at that level last season and in general is very bad. So it's not – if you have a decent batting eye to play, which I assume even, – even if he's passive, we can still say he's got a good idea of the strike zone, what he's looking for. Um, he just is taking some third strikes he doesn't need to be. Um, or needs to be become more aggressive, but I think people scout the stat line out. That's going to inflate some models, um, especially at that level. That level, the pitch, love pitching at that level is so bad. Um, so we'll see what happens when he gets to the next couple levels and see how things um, even out when guys throw more strikes. He's going to have to become more aggressive, and I just think that people and that's taking away from him. He had a, he had a solid season, although he didn't make a lot of contact. Um, I do. I do, I'm curious to see what what the bat does when he starts to face more pitching that has more than one good pitch and can throw two or three pitches for strikes. Cause that I'm telling you don't underrate how bad the pitching in the Carolina league was last year. It was awful except for the guardians prospects apparently, cause they were good. Yeah. It's, you know, it's right now it looks like you're hoping that it's plus on base. Cause everything else is probably going to be below average and fringe. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, I, I I'm not, you know, a, a end all be all when it comes to batting average, but I, for a young guy, I do like to see a little bit higher at that level. I understand he was only 19, but then there's also that degree of, you kind of wonder like the, we've talked about sometimes the, are, is he like the classic guy that we're overvaluing 
age relative to level because nothing is really mm-hmm. jumping out outside of the walk rate. And what do we know about walk rates? They don't translate. Like there's almost no value. No, there's no value in walk rate below double A. Like it's really not valuable in terms of future valuation. We, we know that. Uh, that's what the data shows us. So I, I think he's a really interesting player. If he, you know, can keep doing what he's doing, uh, he's going to be someone to watch. You know, he's, he also turns, you know, 20 before the season begins. So, um, you know, he, he's, I'll be curious to see if they get him up to double A this year. But I, I think when you see him in the top Place 20. That model. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's just when I see him in the top 20, that's rich for my blood. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah, and again, like we said, no, no disrespect to his his abilities or him as a prospect individual. It's just I think a lot of people are higher on him, and I think a lot of that has to do with Scott the stat line. Um, there's a lot of things that go on there. So next was a new addition, right? New addition, someone you are super high on. Are we talking new addition to the franchise or? Yes, yes. Oh, so is it Francisca? No, no. Uh Oh, oh, um, uh, Juan Brito. Yes. Okay, Juan Brito. Okay, so that's your top three is Juan Brito, or is that just different? Um, uh, those are kind of, of probably list? my my top. I don't know if I'd say those are my top three. I'd have to look at my list, but those are at least the big names. Uh, when I was looking at just a depth chart, um, I'll open up my actual list, but Brito, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I know you're high. Yeah, I don't know if I'm. Just, I mean. Higher than me. I get, yeah, I am higher on him than you are. I guess the bats to ball skills are good. You know, he's, he's not a guy who's relying on walks. I know you only played at low A. We know data doesn't translate very well from, or the numbers like that don't necessarily translate. Like we talked about, but he is a switch hitter. Does make a lot of contact. He does put the ball in the air a little bit, which is good for a guy with his level of contact. So you're not worried about like, you know, is he ever going to hit for power? He's not hitting like a ton of ground balls. So that's good. Um, I think there's some Cleveland says is that he's, they like his athleticism, but I've seen elsewhere where the athleticism is kind of a question mark. And I don't know, like, like Cleveland thinks he can play short. Some other teams thinking he can play short. I think he's definitely a second baseman, which is why he's here. Um, while we're talking about him right now, but, um, I don't know. I think the back can, can be good enough for him to play second base. Even if the, um, the glove doesn't end up being, all that impressive. Um, he might, he might end up being what uh, Cleveland hoped Aaron Bracho would be right. Where he would be a bat over glove, second baseman who had some pop and um, you could make it work at second base with some good defensive positioning. Although I think, I think Brito probably has more athleticism than Bracho, though. I wonder um, if Bracho took himself out of some of that athleticism, but that's another story. And then, I mean, we have to probably talk about, Angel Martinez as before we get to the after show. Cause I mean, that is on my list. Those are the four second basemen listed. I mean, I, you, you think there's a better chance I think of him staying, being able to play short than I do, but uh, can one make a case that after Bo Naylor, Angel Martinez in the upper minors could end up being the best hitter in this system? I do like him a lot. I think, uh, and this is another one where you're going to look at age relative to level and, I know we just kind of pitched the same things with Jake Fox, but the approach was good. He's not passive. He makes contact. He's a switch hitter. Um, I think he Even showed double A matters too mm-hmm. for that relative to all things. Yeah. And, and his sample of double A wasn't the best. 
he did get on base. The, the the average was down, and the average on balls in play might have been to blame for that. And I don't know if that's contact quality, if that's bad luck, I'm not sure. But he was 20 in Double A, and, and some of that, you know, could have been inflating the models as well. But um, when I saw at Lake County last year, I was super impressed. He has really good strikes on awareness, and I think he also fouls a ton of pitches off. He stays in at bats. He can hit everything. Um, I guess the question is, yeah, does he play short or does he play second? I think he can stay at short. I'm not necessarily sure he's going to be like the best shortstop. Like we're not talking, obviously like Gabriel Arias is the best defensive shortstop in the system. And then from there, you know, you got Rokio and Tana who are good defensive shortstops. I don't know if Martinez is as good as them defensively, but I, at shortstop, but I think he can play there and he won't hurt you, at least not in the short term. I don't know how that'll play long term, but yeah, he's probably better as second baseman, and I think the bat is going to play either position, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the reason why I broke you higher, because I believe he's a better chance at short, but I think Martinez's bat has more upside. So, like, I, I feel like to the Guardians, I'd rather move Rokio than Martinez, just because I think he's going to be the better hitter. I have Rokio over... I'm sorry, I have Martinez over Rokio in my rankings just by the fact that I think that he will be a better hitter, and I do think he has a chance to play short, even if I think Rokio is the better defensive shortstop. Yes, I have have both of them over George Valera, for instance, to give you kind of a a point of view that that runs counter to what you're probably seeing most places. But yeah, I think think, that's a very interesting part, and uh, yeah, he's... Uh, it's he's another guy, you know. We talk about Bo Naylor after the down year. Uh, Martinez wasn't great last year. Uh, it was ninety seven games. Had a good and, first and half, it, and then yeah, he fell off. And I so, think that was part of his his off season plan was to get stronger yeah. so he wouldn't fade in the second half, and that worked. Yeah, and like that's just one of those things you know you got to pay attention. Uh, maybe Jake Fox ends up having another a secondary season like him, and then I mm-hmm. look foolish in a year. That's kind of the problem with uh, with scouting in uh, the lower minors. So much nothing. You know, more changes year to year with those players than anyone else. Especially at those uh, ages, yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, like when we get into pitching, we're talking about guys like Messick and Campbell who they just drafted. Like, we'll see what happens with a full year. and I mean, even like nine months under the tutelage. So it's going to be fun mm-hmm. to watch. We are going to take our break here. Not take our break. We're going to end the audio. Well, we've already gone long on the audio. We're going to come back and maybe discuss some under-the-radar names, a few other fun players at second base uh, and uh, do that in our after show. So join us on YouTube if you want more in-depth on prospects. Uh, But for now, go, go, Guardians, go.